Hey guys, my name is Johnny Ardavanis and this is Dial In. In this episode, I sit down with my friend Paul Washer, the director and founder of the Heart Crime Missionary Society, and I ask him about God's design for sex. Let's dial in. Paul, we live in a world of sexual perversion. Uh, it's filled with immorality. And sometimes we can begin to be confused that the world invented sex. But what we know biblically is that sex was something that was designed by God. Can you talk to us about God's design for sex and why it's so important that we have a biblical understanding of it? Yeah. First of all, it was designed by God. And I think that the thing that makes the difference between the wrong view and the right view is with the right view, sex is not an end in itself. Even the pleasure of sex is not an end in itself. If you remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They covered themselves. But I believe they didn't merely cover themselves from God. They covered themselves from each other. That's what sin does. It destroys intimacy, okay? So if, if we're talking about sex just as a physical pleasure with no other goal in mind, well, it's, it's, it's animal, all right? But if sex has a higher purpose, not taking away from the physical delight of sex, but if sex has a higher purpose, and that is to increase my emotional, spiritual intimacy with my wife. There's the goal. And so sex as, as merely um, trying to satisfy what we could call animal pleasure um, becomes then twisted and dark and selfish. But when sex is designed to take a man and a woman and make them more one, make them more intimate, make them more giving and receiving, then you see something very, very beautiful. So the end of sex is, is greater relational intimacy that the wife and the man em emotionally, spiritually become a part of each other, become one. And, and that's what makes it beautiful. When that is removed, when that is removed, it, it becomes animal. So I, I, I've told even my, my sons this because the, um, my daughters are still young, but I've warned them that entering into a relationship with a girl that um, there's not the intention or the commitment to marry, even if they're sharing feelings with one another, um, they're, they're holding hands or the farthest they go is to hug one another. They're creating a bond of intimacy. You say, well, it's harmless. Well, not really when you think about it. Why? They're creating a bond of intimacy and that's what marriage is about. So if they're just kind of boyfriend and girlfriend and they break up, guess what happens? It's kind of like the boy is going to leave part of himself with that girl and the girl is going to leave part of herself with that boy. And, and, and there's intimacy shared that almost can never be removed. And so one of the most important things is that it's not just that we remain chaste 
physically, but we remain chaste with regard to entering into an intimate relationship with another person. You want to go to that altar. Like people always think going to the altar complete, which means physically chaste. But you can have all these emotional relationships with people, and it's as though you're taking them to the altar with you. Do you see? Yeah. Now, Paul, I, I, even what you're saying, you know, I think there's so many uh, different ways that parents or pastors approach the conversation of sex with students and their own children. Can you talk just as we close about communicating the beauty of sex without stoking curiosity in it? Because I think people grow up going, if they're in the church, that's bad. Don't talk about it. That's a mommy and a daddy thing. And it becomes something that is so private and curious. Talk about the beauty of it and yet protecting yeah. curiosity. Um, first of all, there is a danger of awaking that. There is, a, there is a time in a child's life for innocence. They need to be thinking about dolls or Tonka trucks or, or you know, things like that. And we need to guard that. Um, when, and each child is different, but when, you know, you're in prayer, you're reading the word, the parents renewing his mind, it looks like it's time. And with each child, that can be different according to their maturity. Here's what I would suggest. First of all, you need to explain it very, very carefully, explain it biblically, put the emphasis on the intimacy, the relationship, the commitment. Show how this is a beautiful thing because of the commitment. And when the commitment and the intimacy isn't there, it's no longer a beautiful thing. It's a wrong thing. But here's what I would really warn about. This is going to happen almost every time I've seen this. The moment you have that conversation, it's after that conversation that you really need to guard your child because their curiosity is going to be piqued. And that's where you need to have safeguards on the internet and all kinds of things because the child has just heard this and so they may type in something because they just want to know more about what it is and all of a sudden there you go they've just been bombarded with things they should never see mm -hmm. well that's helpful it's so important that we understand god's design for sex and then there's a wisdom and discernment as you're saying and how we navigate and approach and protect even our children and people in our ministry. It's not a question. I mean, even someone who puts all the safeguards down, it's not a question of if they're going to be confronted with something. Yeah. It's a question of when. And, and here's the thing that you really want to put out there. It's beautiful because the end goal is intimacy. It's sharing. It's self-giving. Okay? And when... And, and it's a commitment. And when that commitment's not there, then it turns into something ugly. And that can only happen, as you're saying, in marriage. Right. In marriage. I, I told, my, told my boys this. I said, um, should a married man keep himself pure from a relationship with other women? And they said, of course, Dad. And I, and I said... Um, you know, one of my, I think my son was 12. And I said, so you're 12. Uh, let's say that, do you think you'll marry a girl 12 years younger than you? And he said, no. I said, what's the average? You know, it's about five, isn't it? Six, eight, something like that. Three, two. I said, guess what, son? Your wife 
is alive right now, somewhere. And you need to remain pure for her because she's alive somewhere. And you need to pray for her. And you can't guard her physically, but you need to be guarding her in prayer. You need to be lifting her up. I want my young men, I want them interceding for their wives maybe 20 years before right they now, meet them. Yeah. And I want them maintaining loyalty to God, but yeah. also loyalty to the woman they are going to marry. Hmm. So helpful and so yeah. clear. Thank you, Paul. And th they feel noble. Yeah, in the process. Yeah, they feel like, yes, you know, I, I need to do that. It makes boys men when Absolutely. they view sex that way. Yeah. It's important. And commitment commitment and loyalty is what makes any man a man. Hmm. It's not the how big his biceps are. And it's not even if he's uh, tremendously bold. Hmm. It's loyalty that hmm. makes a man a man. Hmm. Thank you, Paul. Mm -hmm.